Welcome to The Bitter Jury, a weekly podcast detailing the biggest storylines, controversies, strategies, and gameplay from the Big Brother US 24 season. My name is Daniel Westoff, and today we will be breaking down the first two weeks of season 24 Big Brother. During those two weeks, we've seen alliances formed, targets created, ankles rolled, evictions canceled, and so much more. And to help me break down all of these stories are two of my friends. First, let me start with the man who is the only other person on the face of the earth to have joined a Westoff-hosted podcast. It's my friend, Charles Matthews. Charles, how you doing? What is your impression of the first two weeks of the US 24 season? Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, drinking hand as usual. Uh, and... There's promise. You know, obviously, I like a little drama. Um, I've admittedly shed tears a couple times already within the first couple weeks. Um, which already? I'm sure we'll, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, so, no, no, I'm feeling it. Um, I can't wait to um, hear what you guys have to think. And also joining us today is the only man who may have a longer morning hair routine than Pooch. It's my friend Dalton Thieneman. <laughs> Dalton, how you doing? What are your thoughts? Good. That's, about a, that's a compliment. I know we're going to get to Gucci's uh, destiny here in a second, but um, no, pumped to be here. I think, you know, after week one, I think I could say uh, this is probably a hot take, but I think this is the most explosive week one in uh, Big Brother history. So I'm excited to break it down with you guys. Yeah, no, I agree with you there. It was quite an exciting week one. Uh, we're going to get right into it. And just uh, to kind of give a layout of how we're going to do this, I'm going to go over the recap for what the week looked like, kind of talk about the alliances that formed. We're all going to talk about our favorite moments, the most important moments from the week, who we think's in the best position. And then we'll go and get into our predictions for the following week. So uh, just to recap quickly what happened during week one of Big Brother, uh, Daniel became the first HOH. He won the three or four part uh, first HOH competition. Uh, he decided that he was going to nominate Michael and Terrence. Uh, when the power of veto was played, uh, the players were Daniel, Michael, Terrence, Amira, Indy, and Turner. They played in a medieval style power of veto where you were hooking rings onto your sword as you rode a fake horse. Uh, turns out Michael won that power veto. He took himself off the block and uh, enemy number one of the house who was Taylor became the uh, renomination for Michael. Uh, but by the time we got to eviction night, uh, we were all thrown with a curveball. There was an exit from the game. Uh, Paloma decided to remove herself for health reasons. Therefore, not only was the eviction canceled, but so was the whole backstage pass twist, which I still don't fully understand exactly how that was supposed to go down. Um, and so we ended up with nobody leaving on, uh, on a vote this week. Um, and real quick, before we get into our favorite moments, let me break down some of the alliances that formed. So uh, right off the bat, uh, the first alliance we really saw in the house uh, was Daniel and Nicole. You know, Daniel became the HOH. Uh, Nicole and him just immediately gravitated to one another, and they've become probably the strongest duo in the house, at least during the first week. Uh, we also saw a very um, gender-based uh, house split uh, starting to happen. You know, there was a girls' alliance formed, the Girls' Girls' Alliance. Um, 
that alliance was basically every girl in the house except for Taylor, because throughout the week, uh, due to miscommunications or just uh, lies started by Paloma, uh, Taylor has really become the main target of the house. Now, on the other side, uh, there's a... No, no, not to cut you off. I don't think Nicole's in that one, though, right? Yeah, I, I kind of wasn't sure. She's yeah. she's friendly with all of them. She's not a target of all of them. But she, you're right. She wasn't in like the, hey, we're going to call it the girls, girls, whatever. She was just, they were kind of like, she's a girl. We're going to protect her, but we're not going to bring her in. So good good call there, Charles. She wasn't in the actual alliance named girls, girls. Um, on the men's side, there was an alliance called Oasis Formed. Um, that was basically every guy except for Daniel and Michael. Um, and then... Final alliance that was formed. This is the one I thought had the most legs uh, coming out of week one. Um, was this alliance that Paloma basically was the uh, starter of? Uh, it's had multiple names now um, because we're recording this during week three's filming. Uh, at this point, I'm not even sure what the timeline of the names are. I believe in week one they named it Mamba, but they had to change that because of copyright. Um, it was named Inception at one point, Bleep at one point, um, Paloma's Posse. So, uh, but that alliance, uh, it's three guys and three girls. That is Paloma, Amira, Alyssa, Monty, Kyle, and Michael. Uh, so that's really the state of the house after week one. It's really, um, a guys versus girls. There's one secret alliance, really strong. There's a house enemy number one, Taylor. Uh, and we had a lot of drama that ended up with no eviction and someone leaving the house. So with all of that recapped, let me start with you, Charles. What was your favorite moment of the week, your most important moment of the week, something you found interesting or important to the how the season will play out? Oh, man. Um, I know we were talking before we started recording. I'm so I don't know what has happened from week to week, but oh, um, oh no, 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 let me pause you real quick. Yeah, I just I I made this graphic, so I wanted to uh, press the button here, and when I do oh, that, oh, a graphic in already. Paloma was a vict- uh, was out of the house week one. Now you can start. Oh. Let's talk about the week. <laughs> <laughs> um. Jimmy to start over no no we're gonna keep or all that in that's okay, cool. that's a plug for everyone to go watch this on youtube later because this there are visuals as well perfect um but i think my my favorite moments um are kind of more of a conglomeration of things um there were some really cool points for me again and people kind of you know letting their personal lives come out um which was really really cool um but I also obviously hate that Paloma's gone, but I am a big, big, big advocate of mental health. So I'm thankful that she realized and that production realized that maybe taking a step back is the best thing for her. Um, but I, I definitely, in spite of how things did shake down this week, definitely was sad to see her go from a player standpoint. Um, you know, I don't know if you all remember, but you know, after Paloma and Taylor had the conversation and Paloma was, you know, so upset after Monty came to her and told her what Taylor had said about her. I mean, Paloma even threw on the tears about how upset she was. And it's like, you know, what she said was true. But um, So it really kind of showed me that she really was there to play the game. Um, you know, she was one of my picks on the team that we did in episode one. Um, so it also showed me that, you know, again, she could 
lie in people's faces and move on with it. But also on the same side, you know, we saw that that also kind of, um, you know, got to her. Uh, one other thing, um, for anyone who kind of listened to us when we were experimenting with, uh, Big Brother Canada, and I had made a comment that no one could keep their mouth closed in the Canadian season because everybody put everybody's business out there. Uh, that definitely happened, uh, with BBUS, uh, week one, you know, again, uh, Taylor and Paloma and Monty and that whole deal. Then of course, Brittany, you know, telling the ladies that she wanted Pooch gone, but then her telling Pooch all this other stuff and then Amira getting into it and, you know, just all these names getting thrown around. I'm like, good grief, good grief. No one can keep a secret at this point. Um, so that will actually, for me, be something that I look out as things move forward because I think if people start to pay attention to some of these things, then a lot more distrust will end up coming into the show for sure. No, I, I totally agree with that point. I had the exact same thought, and I do think this is one of the worst seasons I've seen for keeping secrets. Like, through the first two weeks, I don't think we had a single alliance make it through without the entire house finally finding out about it. Like, we'll get to it when we talk about week two in a moment, but one of my favorite moments of the entire first two weeks was when Pooch was the last to find out that Oasis had leaked to the entire house and he was scrambling, trying to figure out who let it go. And it's like what we've learned the first two weeks here is that everyone has a huge mouth and no one knows the value of keeping a secret. I mean, just Brittany alone going to Pooch who has not talked game with her in the first couple of days and just spilling the beans on a mirror targeting Pooch is terrible gameplay and just goes to show that uh, some of these people you know, may not be as schooled or as big of Big Brother fans as they think they are. Um, but with that in mind, uh, Dalton, what was well, your f- impression or favorite moment of the week? And actually, just real quick, so I had this note down that I was going to bring up later, but I feel like this is a perfect segue now. So I was watching the Winter Circle podcast, which is Derek and Cody's podcast. And one of the points that Derek was making with Jeff and Jordan, who joined the show, was that there's a huge inclination the last couple of seasons of Big Brother for final twos and alliances to pop up, like not only the first week, but the first couple of days in the house. And obviously, Daniel and Nicole fit that mold. Um, just what are your guys' thoughts on that? Like, is that, I feel like, these kind of things blow up more often than not. Like, should they wait another week to kind of feel out the house, feel out the personality so that they actually are in it for the long term? Or, and again, I know for alliances, you can't turn down an alliance, but I feel like this season more than most final twos and alliances are all over the place the first week here. Well, I, I definitely, uh, you know, it's just going off of our fantasy draft from our first episode last week. Um, if I were to redo our draft, uh, I probably would have drafted in reverse order. My first pick would have been my last. My last pick would have been my first. And so just going off that alone, uh, you know, it kind of goes to show that you don't really know the people based off their first impressions or how good of players they're going to be uh, in the Big Brother game. You kind of need a couple of weeks to see who can keep a secret, who's athletic. Like, did anyone think Michael going in, like when you saw his intro package, was going to be this veto beast? Um, but I also do think that there, like, people think like it's uh, necessary for your final resume when you're sitting in that final two chair to have this big reveal that you had this day one alliance with someone. And it's like, because, you know, Tyler and Casey had one and 
Cody and Derek had one. And so that's like the mold of a great big brother player. But I think that's, if it's right, then it's impactful. But if you're just doing it for, to check it off the resume, um, I think it's better to wait and take a couple of weeks, assess the game and really figure out who's a player and who's not. Am I onto something there, Charles? Yeah. I mean, I see both sides, you know, and this kind of touches on, you know, obviously something else we could talk about later, you know, and, you know, people, the people that are being bullied in the house and, and how people are stereotyping and, and, and so on and so forth. But you're entering the house to play a game where literally first impression is going to make a huge impact because you are coming in and playing right out of the gate. So on one hand, if you go in and, you know, especially the first time that all of us met, for example, like I knew immediately that I liked you guys. And so if you go into the house and you have that bond with someone, 100% go for it. Because if I'm entering, I know that within the first 30 seconds that someone is going to make a judgment about me and I want to put myself out in the best face forward so that I can hopefully, you know, tie in with some people. Now on the flip side of that, I I do think sometimes people start to form alliances a little too soon just to try to get numbers, which obviously numbers are important. But on the flip side of that too, as we've seen, no one can keep their mouth closed. Um, So that may end up kind of biting you in the foot at some point or shooting in the foot rather. Yeah. Sorry, guys. I didn't mean to get us off the rails this soon, but I just it was something that I, you know, from the alliance standpoint, I know you guys are the big brother historian. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I feel like especially this season, they're not tight lipped as you know, is pretty typical. So it's just just wanted to throw that out there. See what your opinion was on that. No, great question. Yeah. But uh, no. So, Dalton, what was the uh, most important moment of the week for you or just your favorite moment or something you want to bring up yeah I, I feel like charles took like uh the more important like you know what implications are we going to see down the road uh from that question i just took you know what were like the most like funny moments kind of thing i have three so i'm the worst i can't just give you one uh, but i think i gave five so you're <laughs> good right. i've got i've got three and they're more serious so we'll just let you do the fun stuff <laughs> Go, go yeah, so so Michael, I didn't know kind of how to take him right out of the gate, uh, but he's very quickly become my favorite player in the house. And him throwing out WWJD, what would Janelle do in like going into the veto competition was unbelievable. That was like a that was that's going to go down in history. I feel like uh, Janelle should have you know some kind of you know plaque or something in the house to begin with so for him to throw that out in the moment was epic i love that which um just goes to show he was the last pick in our draft and now he's he's my favorite as well and i hope he wins uh, the game so yeah vomit. Oh, <laughs> and that's how i know we needed a zag we needed a zag. <laughs> i was gonna say that's how you knew i was gonna like him if charles didn't so yeah <laughs> yeah because i'm still out on him one of my friends not to cut you off um that loves the show. She and I were talking about it the other day at dinner and she is all in on Michael and I am still all out. So it's (laughs) kind of funny. Um, Well, I just like that he's, you know, socially awkward, but also is just crushing the comps at the same time. And that was something that, you know, him coming into the house, I did not expect that. 
but he does have that like tall, lanky, like swimmer's body. And he is just dominating. Um, so, but anyway, I had to get the WWJD moment. That was awesome. Um, I'm sure we'll get to this from like a, you know, character personality, like how this, you know, may have played into Taylor going up on the block and being public enemy number one, but the dress runway portion, um, and Westoff, you can probably touch on this a little further since you actually watched the live feeds, but I feel like the show and, you know, as big brother fans, we know, you know, what they actually show in the show is kind of just scratches the surface to actually what happened. Um, and I feel like the house was like pushing her to go try on all these dresses, get kind of the runway going. Um, but I thought Taylor was having a blast. I, I like the fact that she, you know, they pushed her to do that and then she was having a blast with it. So I thought that was a pretty pivotal moment too. And then finally, this is the most like under uh, soul. I'm sure like no one's talked about this. I haven't talked to either of you guys about this. But Monty in the intro videos doing the impressions of the Godfather and Denzel was fucking hilarious. I don't know if we can cuss in this, but I was dying laughing. At well, I'm not quacking this, so if it is cussing, it's going on live. But, oh yeah, uh, and I cuss all the time. So. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's that stuff in the episodes. I'm like, that's that cheesy. Like, I've, that, there's a certain part of the fan base, you, I guess, that loves that stuff, so they eat it up. Um, no, with the, with the Taylor and the dress scenario, no, you, you hit it right on the head and it's kind of like the whole thing, like all this drama boils down to the same thing is Taylor does something that in the moment is sincere and is encouraged by other players. And then as soon as that moment is over and she leaves the room, they can they they flip it on its head and they use it against her and they put context around it that was never there and so like the dress scenario she her dresses came in late i don't know maybe they had to go through extra covid protocols who knows but they came in a couple days late so she was putting them in the closet trying them on um was being super friendly with everyone saying like, Hey, like my closet is open for anyone. Anyone can wear my clothes. Let me just be the first one to wear it. Um, she put one on and everyone was like, Oh my God, it's so beautiful. Like do a little runway thing. And she was like kind of embarrassed about it, but she did it cause everyone was egging her on. And then they're like, let's do a whole fashion show. And she was like, Oh no, I don't want to do that. Kind of like, I'm, I'm not feeling that. And no, they egged her on and pushed her into it. And so she decided, okay, I'll play along and, you know, come out of my shell a bit. And so she, goes and does it and then as soon as it's over and she walks out of the room everyone's like can you believe she did a runway show it's like you told her to do it so uh that's there i mean there are just countless times in the past two and a half three weeks that that's happened and it's just it, watching the live feeds last night i almost became too sick of it and turned it off but there's hope in the house i i, I see a silver lining on the horizon so uh, for anyone tracking the Taylor saga, uh, hang in there. I, I'm hoping it gets better, but we shall see. This has been a very interesting cast so far. Um, my favorite moments of the week, uh, I've got three as well. Some of them we've touched on already. Um, first one was Paloma really set the tone for the house. Um, I, I don't know about you all. Uh, I kind of want to get your opinion on it. Do you like, 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 I understand the point of Big Brother is to lie and manipulate and to use people's emotions against them. And I, like, Paloma might be, like, that might be one of the, like, in one week, she turned the whole house against one person. 
out of things that she like basically made up out of thin air. And so like, there's two sides of me. There's one side of me that analytically is like, that's really good gameplay. Like if she were to stick around for a whole season, think about what she could do week to week. And just like, she puts on those puppy dog eyes and everyone just instantly believes her. Um, and in the, and then in, in the DR room, she's like basically laughing at how she's running the house. And so like, there's a respect to that, but then there's also just like the human side of me. That's just like, it eats me up when I see like it, it's actually emotionally affecting Taylor and like hurting her self-esteem. And so there's part of me that's like, it, even though I respect the strategy behind it, like, can you stomach it? And sometimes I can't, like, how do you all feel about that? Do you just, do you love to watch it or do you feel conflicted at all? Uh, so I guess I'm the host here. Let me direct that first <laughs> to Dalton. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think that's, and of course, I, I feel the same way, Wes. Off. I just, I, but I think I'm like more tuned in to like, is this a good strategy from a Big Brother standpoint? And I mean, you have to give it to Paloma because I mean, you mentioned it. I think before we started recording, but um, even you know, a week or two after she left the house, there are still people in the house, including Daniel, I believe, who like fully believe what she was saying. So clearly. You know, she was making an impact. Those persuasive talents, if you will, uh, are still, you know, the implications from that are still in play in the house. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's hard to divide the two, but I, I'd love to hear Charles' thoughts on it, too. But it's, yeah, it's, those are two different things, the human element and what's good for the Big Brother game, two completely different things. Yeah, um, you know, Daniel, I feel as if you probably already know where I'm going to go with this since we've had to talk about um, whether or not I could lie to your face if we were in the house together. Um, but, you know, and I say that I'll probably say this eight million times, you know, throughout this season, you're going to play a game. And obviously, human emotions aside, if you've watched the show, which you are required to do prior to going in, you know that emotions and being lied to and being manipulated are a part of that process. If you feel like that's something you can't do, then don't do it. Um, and again, you know, having talked to some people who have been in the house, obviously I know those things can kind of change, you know, once you get in there because you're now locked in with these people and you're cut off from the rest of the world and then emotions are now escalated you know to an all-time high maybe to a level that you've never even felt before in your life but i it's a game you know and that's kind of the harsh reality of it and if you put me into a situation where I can be told that pretty much anything goes as long as I'm not committing murder or stealing from someone that I can do what I need to do in order to win a six figure amount of money. I'm going to do it. <laughs> you know, um, now on the flip side of that, I do think, you know, as you all mentioned, like from a CBS big brother side of things, obviously with the state that our world is in today, some of those things obviously can be, um, escalated you know again as we've seen this season but you know at the end of the day i i, I just want to see good gameplay and part of that for me is is the manipulation and, and strategy for sure yeah and I'll, I'll give taylor credit she i mean she did break down at the end of week one and we saw her get emotional about it but uh even with the con uh, continued uh you know 
obstacles she's had in the house, especially with, you know, this growing myth of, you know, the evil mastermind Taylor that has grown. She's really, after that breakdown at the end of week one, she's really uh, taken it, you know, she's been strong in the face of that adversity, I'll say. So um, she, I, it's more of big brother Twitter, big brother podcasters like ourselves talking about these scenarios and less about her sitting in the house wallowing. She is a fighter. So I uh, want to make sure we give her that credit uh, real well, quick. Off, before you, before you move on, like, so it, let's, let's do a hypothetical here just to go a step further. Like if Paloma were, didn't take herself out of the house and, and, you know, from a mental health standpoint and she's still in the house all through the season, do you think she is casted from like an America like popularity standpoint? Is she kind of a villain because of those persuasive and manipulative tactics? Because, I mean, we've seen it for, from players in the past where they lie, cheat, deceive. It's part of the, you know, part of the game, but they, they do that and they're not as popular with, you know, from an audience perspective. And I feel like Paloma was heading down that path pretty quick. Yeah, no, I, I, I think she was. She was on that path. She was flaming out a little bit, you know. She was, her game was burning bright, and although that was good in the moment, that that probably wouldn't have lasted eighty days. So I can see sure. her being casted the villain. You, Charles? Yeah, you know, I do. You know, you have to think too. For me, you know, which is maybe why I'm on here because I, I like a little controversy. But you know, some of my favorite place players in the house over time have been the villains and you know i love reading through you know facebook or instagram comments and people like well you have to be nice to people again like you don't have to be nice to anyone shut the fuck up and (laughs) freaking go play the game you know evil dick is one of my favorite players of all time actually is is my favorite player of all time and he was not nice but he did what he needed to do to win the game and he, he fucking got there. Um, you know, Paul also ended up kind of in that that villainy. Uh, he's not nice because he's manipulating people. He just did it better than everyone. So get over it and let's move on. Um, I, I kind of brought that up on purpose because I know how you feel about Paul. But, um, I think but no, yeah. I think I might have just learned something about myself because I was an Evil Dick fan back in the day. I was a Paul fan in season 19. Uh, but I didn't become a live feeder until season 20. That's when I really started diving into the live feeds. And ever since I became a live feeder, my favorite players are now the Taylors of the world, the Nicole Anthony's, the, the little Uh, engines that could, that are, that are being picked on. And I want to see them rise to the adversity. I'm like, (laughs) maybe it's because when you just get the show for three hours a week and you get to just see the highlights you don't wallow in that like ickiness for as long as like last night I had the feeds on from like 8 PM until like four in the morning, just in the background. And just like <laughs> every time I turned around, Taylor's alone in a room, just like trying to figure out what she did wrong to piss everyone off. I'm just like, ah, it wasn't you. These people are crazy. So <laughs> I, I, maybe, I, yeah, I think I just had a little realization. That's the live feeds that have really made me a softie. So that was a nice uh, aha moment live on air. Though, no, 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 no. Yeah. Um, also, just while we're on the like villain part, I know we're like completely derailed from the questions, West off, but I feel like Daniel is low key like a Disney villain, like especially in the first week. Not as much the second, but whenever he was Hoh, 
his kind of, I don't know if it's his hair, like the diabolical laugh in the diary room or his comments about Michael, uh, where he's just ripping him. Like, I didn't understand like the super fan versus super fan dynamic. Like, wouldn't you want to bring in another super fan and team up with them? But it was like, you know, he was just throwing darts. I don't, I don't know. I don't, did you think his, uh, his evidence for super fandom was a little thin. Like I'm, the only thing he ever brought up was that he held the door and went in last of the four. I'm <laughs> like, the week. That I'm, was so great. I'm like, I'm yeah. a, I'm a super fan. One, I don't, I don't ever really think about, you know, the first person in the house gets, doesn't win. Like I've heard that somewhere, but it's not something I ever have thought about until he brought that up again. And two, like if you're just a nice guy, which Michael seems to be, you hold the door for everyone and let them go in. So he didn't mention anything else about Michael that made him a super fan other than that. So I'm like, all right, dude, you're building this entire myth around Michael off of holding a door. It's a little thin to me. Different level of paranoia in the house, though. That is very true. <laughs> so, uh, real quick, just before we move on to week two, my other two important things I noticed. One, uh, this season, the Girls' Alliance has a little more traction than we've seen in last seasons. Um, you know, usually there's a superficial, like, two to three women who are really gung-ho about it, and everyone else is rolling their eyes behind their back and playing along with it. It seems like this season, especially here in this week one, uh, going into week two, there's a core of five or six that really do want to see a girl's alliance go far. Now they may not love every girl in the alliance and they may be throwing a couple of them under the bus, but there is a core nugget of girls there who are trying to stick together. And so I thought that was at least something to point out. My, my only other big observation of the week was Daniel wasted his HOH, in my opinion. Um, the value of a of being the first HOH, I mentioned this in our last podcast. You, you know, you get a twenty five percent bump in your chance of winning the game, um, but that requires you to do two things. That requires you to pick a target and make sure that target leaves, and during your campaign around that target, building your an alliance uh, because everyone you know, puts the HOH on a pedestal each week. And so with that uh, extra persuasive power, you should be able to bring in a solid group of people, set the, the, you know, the railroad tracks down for some sort of alliance going into week two, where you hope to shore up that alliance. And I think Daniel really came out of week one with, you know, a number one in Nicole, which was kind of there from day one. So he didn't really build that over the week. Yes. He identified a target. It wasn't really his fault. The target didn't leave the house. He was going to probably get Taylor out. So check Mark there. Um, but he really didn't lay inroads with anybody else besides Nicole. That was super solid. Like, yeah, he's got a relationship with the girls girls Alliance and most of the people in there aren't going to target him, but they're not running to Daniel to talk about who should be week two target. Like the only person doing that is Nicole. And so I thought that was really a wasted opportunity uh, for Daniel. Um, your thoughts, Charles. Well, I was actually going to ask um, from Daniel to Daniel, what do you think that he should have done differently? Uh, I mean, if I were in his shoes, you, you want to, you want to leave week one with that six to eight person power alliance. Like 
all of us Big Brother fans watching the show hate when it happens because the season becomes boring and predictable. You know, if you have a core of eight people, most of the time they're winning the HOHs and said, and and it's just an automatic week. And if they don't win the HOH, usually it's either hidden well enough or they just have enough sway in the house that all the uh, leftover people. Uh, can't really rally enough resistance to take out anyone in that alliance. So just at least, you know, identifying a group of people that he wants to work with kind of, he, he didn't have to like make an alliance name and have them all put their hands in the middle, but at least getting a loose group of people together that it, that had a common goal. Like you got to leave week one with that because as soon as your power's done, now you're just going to fade back into the house. And so you're just another player. Um, and you really need that alliance to support you. Yeah. And that's kind of where I am on that. You know, I think that, you know, again, for lack of a better way to say it, it was a wasted week. Um, it was kind of boring in a sense as far as, you know, where the nom stood because I feel as if, you know, he's already talking, oh, I'm not going to get blood on my hands, so I'm going to get Taylor out. And it's like, man, it's the first fucking week. Like, yeah, you're going to have to nominate someone, but is anyone really going to look at it as blood on your hands because it's the first fucking week and somebody has to do it. And I think he kind of got so concerned with, Oh yeah, I'm going to make a big move and I'm going to do this. And uh, really and truly things kind of fell into his hands as far as um, who got nominated. I felt. Yeah. That week one HOH, you have the perfect excuse of, I don't know you very well. I just have to pick someone. Uh, You can kind of get away with it. Um, But for those of us tracking the Daniel, uh, villain arc. I do think it was a little bit of future karma coming into play when all three of his nominations stayed in the house. Uh, so, you know, we could kind of use that to transition into our week two. Uh, week one ended. All three of Daniel's nominees stayed in the house. Uh, we canceled our backstage passes and uh, we're going to have a pretty normal, straightforward week here. And so we start off with an HOH competition and that H in that HOH competition, let's just, before I even get to the whole week recap, we should probably just do it here. Um, <clears throat> there was a, an unusual circumstance in our first live eviction episode outside of the canceled eviction. Uh, not only did we have a uh, unprecedented, uh, I guess leaving the house week one isn't totally unprecedented. I think it's happened once before, but it's never been where someone's left the house week one and the HOH competition also had to be canceled in the same episode. Um, and the reason for that was that Jasmine who completed the obstacle course and the rock climbing wall and all that just fine as she leaves the stage to go back and take her seat trips, rolls her ankle there's a bit of, is this real? Is she actually hurt? Camera's cut. When we come back, Julie Chen is wrapping up the show. And we don't even get to see who's going to be our HOH winner. Um, two things I want to talk about here. Uh, one, just what were your thoughts on that uh, ankle sprain? How do you see it impacting the season going forward? And then also, are you guys aware of Confetti Gate and the drama around that? I'm not. No. 
Okay. I don't uh, think so. Though. I love Gates though. I mean, <laughs> throw in more more Gates, more controversy. Let's do it. So so Confetti Gate was as she was uh, doing the rock climbing portion of the wall. This is Jasmine we're talking about. She did slip and her foot almost touched the ground and. I didn't get to study the tape very closely. We were driving back from Iowa during this episode. So uh, Gruskin and I, uh, I guess we didn't even uh, acknowledge. Gruskin is not with us today. Sorry that we didn't address it till 20 minutes into the pod, but he's in LA. He's at the Tennis Channel Studios. He'll be back with us in a week or two. Uh, but Gruskin and I were uh, listening to the recap, and apparently uh, Twitter was blowing up because different angles show that her foot may have touched the ground and moved a piece of confetti. But then other people were arguing that no air resistance from her foot sweeping by may have moved the confetti Ooh, piece. Air resistance. Wow. So, um, I wasn't aware of <laughs> the fact that everyone was kind of turning it into controversy, but I do remember one, I still love Jasmine. So I'm glad that they, um, kept her in that comp but i don't know if you all remember too like you know julie acknowledged and said that they did look at the tape from a big brother perspective you know in that moment and that she was safe so we're going with what cbs says yeah fine by me i'll i'll, <laughs> I'll take the tape it wasn't like it was for all the marbles there was still a second part of the competition with seven people competing so who was the other player who like pulled, was it, I can't remember if it was Taylor or Michael, but I think both of them also fell on the wall and the core strength and upper body strength to like pull yourself up from that was, I was so impressed. Like that whole obstacle course was like, you know, pretty legit, but Taylor ran through it. Michael, man, his, his lanky ass, man, he, he is, he is dominating not only um, you know, the Knight's Tale competition is how I call it, which is a great flick. I don't know how we haven't brought that up yet. That was actually uh, that, a great reference there. Yeah, Props. that kind of precision of a comp like that. And then also like just, you know, typically your kind of athletic, uh, you know, prowess, somebody who's just a freak dominates those kind of obstacle course. I mean, both of them ripped through it, but both of them were super close to touching the ground also. That's and, why I brought it. and props to Amira too. She kind of killed it as well. Yep. Um, but let's talk about the injury itself. Um, apparently it was a grade three ankle sprain. Um, I don't know. I'm no doctor, but from, from <laughs> I a, you were about to be like out of five and you were like, did the, research. yeah, the <laughs> blood flow actually, it means reduced blood flow into the ventricular vein. No, uh, I saw one tweet about it that said it may, it may be a 12 week injury. So she, we may have a Christmas situation here. Um, I have my thoughts on it, but how do you see this impacting the season, Dalton? I mean, I haven't really thought about it, but clearly it didn't impact like the short term here because she ultimately pulls off the HOH. But um, I, I don't know. Um, hopefully she uh, I know we're about to kind of get into the recap of, of her HOH reign and how all that went. But hopefully she took full advantage in terms of, you know, building alliances and kind of setting herself up so she doesn't have to be a comp beast and it, it won't make much of an impact. Charles. Um, I mean, I, at this point don't see it really affecting anything, but that's to be determined, you know, obviously depending on how she recovers and, and you know, what the, 
um, physicians on set and everything say, you know, she may or may not be able to compete in some things moving forward. But, you know, as we've seen also, too, in in some seasons and over time that you don't need to necessarily win the comps if you can, you know, do what it takes to make sure that you're aligned with the right people as well. Um, I still really, really, really like Jasmine's social game. Um, a friend of mine is convinced that her accent is fake, and we kind of got into an argument about that the other day. Um, speaking of which, Daniel, what do you think? Because you watch the feeds, and my same friend does too, and she is convinced that Jasmine's accent is nowhere near the same on the feeds as what they... Charles, I'm so glad you brought this up. This was my, uh, in my notes. Well, since Charles likes Jasmine, you must know what my opinion of Jasmine is. Um, I do not. I am not a fan of Jasmine. Uh, I can't bring any uh, argument to the table on whether or not the accent is real or not. I actually just kind of tune her out when I hear it. Um, wow. Wow. <laughs> It's it's kind of it's it's kind of gets to you when you're watching it all day long and listening to it. It's just too much for me. And I'm you know we're we're Kentucky boys ourselves, and so I feel like we get enough of that country accent. And from Louisville, I always like to like, uh, I I I very easily tune out that country accent. Let's just put it that way. I love um, the yin and yang of you two being <laughs> on polar opposite sides of the spectrum. Man. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. D- by the way, Dalton, I, I consider you a Kentucky boy too at heart, even though you're like on the other side. Um, but no, I, I think this, the impact of this on the season is that Jasmine isn't going anywhere for a long time. Like, why the hell would you ever evict her? She's no threat at all. And if it's any indication from her HOH reign, she's not very strategic either. And so I see her kind of like Christmas she'll probably be there in that final three and then it'll just come down to who it whether the other person is a better cut or not uh for the person who wins the final HOH but but I feel like it's it's not going to impact Jasmine as much as it would Christmas Christmas being kind of a physical beast right yeah I mean if you mean that Jasmine probably wasn't going to win as many yeah. yeah physical competitions probably true um, and she'll still have chances at the mental comps or strategy comps and whatnot. Uh, but as we saw this week, uh, this week was basically uh, a Big Brother Canada power veto competition because the head of household didn't play because uh, Jasmine had to sit it out. So let's actually get into week two since we're uh, getting to that point already. Uh, just for recap purposes, Jasmine did end up winning the head of household. She ends up nominating... Uh, Taylor and Pooch. Uh, this was not really her initial idea. Taylor was probably the house favorite to go up, um, but the idea for Pooch going up against her came from Pooch himself. He uh, pitched an idea of him being a pawn. Now, he wanted it to be someone besides Taylor up against him so that they had a better chance of winning the power veto and backdooring Taylor. Um, that was kind of the plan for the week was... Taylor's going to uh, be a backdoor plan, or I guess not for the week. That was the initial pitch from Pooch. Taylor would be a backdoor plan. But just before nominations, the House kind of convinced Jasmine that really Pooch should be the main target and that the Taylor play should just be kind of a front. And so she does end up nominating Taylor and Pooch. Uh, there's a power veto competition where Jasmine, Taylor, Pooch, 
Terrence, Michael, and Amira play in a mermaid style. Uh, they, they were all like seals pushing balls around with their nose, trying to get them in the holes. Uh, Michael wins his second power of veto in a row after coming in second place in both HOH competitions of the season, already uh, cementing himself as a uh, competition beast, at least early this season. Uh, He does not end up using the power of veto, even though he did have uh, an inkling to maybe protect Taylor, but he decides that uh, the plan to surprise Pooch uh, was strong enough, keeping the nominations the same. So he does not use the power of veto, and although we are recording this some four hours before the eviction episode, uh, we we here already know that Pooch does end up leaving. It's on a 12 to 0 vote. And so Pooch eventually becomes the second evicted house guest. Well, first evicted house guest, but second house guest to leave the Big Brother house. I guess before I I kick it over to you guys, just a real quick update on the alliances at this point. Um, Really, it's still guys versus girls. Um, Oasis, the the guys alliance, thinks that they're uh, hidden in secret. But uh, the strong hidden alliance of the house, Mamba, which at this point has become Bleep or even Pose Pack, um, that's Paloma, Amira, Alyssa, Monty, Kyle, and Michael. They have ratted out that Oasis Alliance to the girls. So now the girls know about the guys' alliance. Alyssa, who has a very strong crush on Kyle, uh, and there's a budding of romance she there. <laughs> she has spilled the beans about the girls' alliance to Kyle, and so now all the guys know about the girls' alliance. So still in week two, no one can keep their mouth shut. No one can keep shut a secret. Shut the fuck <laughs> up. My oh, gosh. Man. So this is running the show too, by the way. State of the house as is. We'll start with you, Charles. What are your favorite moments, most important moments of week two? Um, uh, one, I would have to say Pooch volunteering himself to go on the block like a complete dumbass. I mean, and I forgot what the context was around it, and I could again be blurring weeks together but at some point he like looked to the camera and made some i never miss the sweet spot comment <laughs> and i think i literally gagged in my mouth and like threw up a little well, bit when he said i wrote that. this down <laughs> he said that he was he wanted to do this as a resume builder that he yes. knew it was risky but it was a resume builder do you agree with that charles like at the end of the game is this a resume key moment that he can use to to solidify why he should win the game over others? I mean, maybe if you're in week six or seven and you're able to pull it off in week two, I feel as if nobody's going to remember that. You know, obviously, you know, you do want comp wins and you want to be able to talk about how you manipulated and how you, you know, powerfully went onto the block and came off. But I mean, it's week two, and there's already been so many other things going on that I think have affected the gameplay, again, with Paloma leaving and, and Taylor and things of that nature, that even had he been able to pull this off, I think that it would have still just fallen under the radar. Um, and I think, you know, with the type of personality that he has and from what I've seen so far, I feel as if it also could have 
set him up for future failure where he would get to, you know, again, week seven and say, oh, I did this once. I can do this again so that I can do another power move and then get his ass voted out. But, you know, as we've seen, he's not going to make it that far. Yeah. Well, and what did you guys think of the uh, him basically comparing himself to Dr. Will? Like Dr. Will was never afraid to go on the block. I'm, you know, I'm going to take that kind of model. It's like, that's a little aggressive, Pooch. You're uh, not even close in the uh, Dr. Will territory. Yeah. And also, like, I haven't watched Dr. Will's seasons in a while, but I don't remember, like, remember him actively pushing to be a pawn on the block. Like, he wasn't great at winning competitions, and when he did get on the block, he was great. Uh, he was great at protecting his game and pointing the target on someone else. But Doctor Will wasn't looking actively to get on the block, uh, at least not from what I can remember. So, yeah, I think uh, I think Pooch is one of these super fans that is really just a fan, uh, but is trying to kind of embellish his resume a little bit, and it kind of exposed. He was kind of exposed here with this. I mean, even Alyssa says it on the episode. Like, obviously, you don't volunteer to put yourself on the block. Like, a casual fan knows that. Yeah. Well, so this is another little caveat. I'm all about the caveats today. But, um, and this is completely misplaced, the worst, like, BB Twitter comp I've ever seen. But there was a bunch of people saying, before kind of Pooch got, like, too egotistical and, and, got the big head later in week two, but there were comp, like people on Twitter comparing him to Cody saying that he was like super attractive, got the blue eyes going. He's athletic. You know, Cody had the soccer component, Pooch had the football. And I was like, no way. Even Cody in the Cody and Derek season was much better of a player. Uh, it's gotta be just that like machismo, like New York guy, like whatever. Yes. But I mean, you know, I think anybody can, you know, look at another human being and determine their their attractiveness or not. I mean, he's not even like <laughs> he's an okay looking guy, but he's kind of nasty. Like I don't, I don't know. It's, it's it's weird. Like, and again, I don't, it, you know, getting into that and he and Joseph's whole like that was going to be my favorite weird, moment. <laughs> I don't know. It's I don't know. It's it's funny to me, but it's like. I don't know. His hair is so his hair is greasy, and I don't know. I, <laughs> you, I don't know. That's you, a terrible comparison to me. That's you brought up the the pooch and Joseph cuddling segment. I think was on Wednesday's episode. Yeah. So yeah. my in my family, I have I have a sister, and then my parents. My mom and my sister and I are all Big Brother like junkies. Like my sister and I are live feeders. My mom's a huge fan. And my dad can't stay in the show. Just thinks it's the stupidest thing that's ever like, <laughs> like he just, he hates when we talk about it. He's like, stop talking about that show. It's so dumb. So we've been working on it for years trying to get him. And so every once in a while, he'll like, he'll like sit down and watch an episode with us. And like, we we're slowly getting him to care a little bit more and a little bit more. So this, he watched Wednesday's episode with us and like my mom had already watched half of it. So we kind of just turned it on halfway through the first segment is the cuddle sessions between pooch and Joseph. And my dad is like, why is he doing that? Like what, 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 what show is this? Like, I don't get it. Why? He's like, aren't there girls in the house? I'm like, okay, dad. <laughs> well, is this the most one-sided bromance we've ever seen? Cause I feel like Joseph was not having it. 
Yeah, those weren't uh, initiated by Joseph, I didn't think at all. That was all Pooch. <laughs> yeah, well, then Pooch, like, there was, like, the clip where, you know, Joseph tried to initiate the, like, whatever, and Pooch was like, oh, no, I'm the dominant one The here. dominant <laughs> 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 Maybe it should have been Pooch and Joseph instead of Pooch and Turner, even though that was the better duo name. Yeah. So, well, speaking of Turner, you guys know about the, the Turner – uh, controversy is strong, but the the thing going around Twitter with Turner, no, I don't think so. It's no. there's, and it's not even just Twitter. Like the players in the house are bringing it up as well. Uh, it's the it's the frequency with which Turner showers, and it is not often. Oh yeah, I saw this. <laughs> like yeah. the players not often. The players in the house are actively yeah. telling other players, like, hey, like if he's in the room, don't let him lay on my bed because he hasn't showered in days. And see, that's <laughs> the impression I get from him. Just, I actually wrote one of my notes, and whether last week, this week, I word for word, Turner's stash gross <laughs> is what I wrote. Uh, he, yeah, he's, I can't. Yeah, this was this would be my biggest fear is like going into the house and whatever habits you don't even like in your head think about that people would judge you for when you get out of the house they're going to be presented to you on the plate they're going Turner's yeah. going to come out and he's going to be like I didn't even realize I don't shower that often like shit <laughs> completely unaware well they even showed like I think they zoomed in on his feet on the Wednesday episode oh, and they I, were like just, zoomed in on what his, his bo- feet. the bottoms of his feet oh, yeah. I'm glad I didn't see that <laughs> yeah it was pretty subtle but it was like oh. What is going on there, man? Uh, I don't like feet in general, so I would have probably stopped watching. Oh, yeah. Do not go back and and search for that. (laughs) Right. So um, (laughs) (laughs) we've talked about Pooch nominating himself. (laughs) Dalton, what's what's an important moment of the week you've got for us? I yeah. I mean, I had the Joseph and Pooch bromance down. Um, I, I think this is probably more important. And I know Westhoff, you mentioned, uh, maybe after live feeds yesterday, this may not be the case, but I feel like Taylor, uh, really took advantage of being on the ropes in week one and kind of gave out a breakout performance this week. She was, um, you know, kind of making a jump, uh, gave out a run in the, uh, the veto comp. Um, and just from like a personality standpoint, I think she's putting herself out there. She's still having fun. She didn't let, um, you know, kind of being beaten down the first week and, and being on the outs, uh, get to her at least, uh, from what we've seen on the show. So, um, I felt like that was, it says a lot to her character and, and how long and how far she can go in the show bouncing back in week two. Yeah, no, I totally agree. She, uh, she didn't let the absurdity sometimes of week one where everything she said somehow got turned into something evil real it didn't prevent her from at least from going and trying in week two to continue to make inroads with people and it's yeah. paying off you know she's she's seeing it pay off with Brittany, with michael uh a bit with nicole um you know there's still the mean girls jasmine amira they still can't stand taylor and even when they are talking about taking out Pooch, it's more of like, and then we'll get Taylor out next. But, you know, it's one step at a time in this house, and you can't change everything overnight. So, uh, no, totally agree with you there. Uh, big important moment I have written down. Uh, so, with 
the Mamba bleep, whatever we're going to, from now on, we're going to call it pose pack, the pose pack Alliance one more time. Uh, that is Paloma. Well, it was Paloma, Mira, Alyssa, Monty, Kyle, uh, Michael with Paloma leaving. Uh, there was a vacancy there. So the big event this week, at least in Alliance building, uh, was that Nicole was brought in as a replacement for Paloma in this uh, pose pack. Um, the way she was brought in was a little messy. Uh, everyone wasn't really on the same page. Uh, Monty was really the driving force behind bringing her in. Um, and I think he came to regret that a little bit because, you know, a day or two after she becomes part of this alliance, she's already read that this was the only secret alliance in the house. Now the one kept secret, uh, by bringing in Nicole, she's already ratted it out to Daniel. So now we've got a leak. Um, <clears throat> and Nicole, even though they brought her in, she's kind of running the alliance now. And Monty has really seen his say in the alliance, uh, or his, uh, uh, influence over it be reduced because Nicole has now becomes a driving force there. So I think that's a big development um, and, uh, from the strategy side of the game, because that was really the power uh, alliance of the house. And so now there is a little bit of distrust and their little the alliance is a little shaky, uh, a little, at least more than it was in week one. Um, yeah, any other big moments you guys want to bring up before we talk about whether the right players were targeted and evicted? Uh, Charles, you got anything? No. <laughs> no, I can't think of anything um, off the top of my head, I'm sure, as we start to, to wrap up and talk, um, something will pop up, and I'm good. Sure, Dalton? Yeah, I, I have the uh, list of final twos, so I just wanted to – kind of just read them real quick and get your guys' opinion on who you think is actually going to go the distance. Kind of to my point earlier, I feel like there's so many alliances. I think I've got eight alliances down um, that kind of were created, uh, most of which have already blown up in the first two weeks. But final twos, so Jamira, Jasmine Amira, Tooch, Turner and Pooch, uh, Blue-Eyed Bash Boys, Pooch and Kyle, obviously. Hold on, you know, are you making gone. up these names or are these real names that people have given these, them? These are real names. These are real names. I was kind of uh, hoping Ky you made them up. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I was like... <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> we were kind of hoping you made them up. The Blue Bash Boys, that was pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was that creative. So Keichel, Kyle and Michael, Conti, uh, Kyle and Monty, Breichel, Michael and Brittany, and then the Rogue Rats, Nicole and Daniel, which has got the most coverage during the episodes. So of these final twos, Westoff, are you aware of all those final twos? I know that they're pairings. Are you saying these people have actually made final twos? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, actually going the distance here. Um, no, I guess I wasn't aware as all of those were as official as they are. If I had to pick one, um, Michael and Kyle would be my favorite there. Um, I think Daniel and Nicole are the most loyal to each other. Um, but I don't see them being the best game players, uh, duo wise that you listed. I think Kyle and Michael, not only with the, uh, competition threat that they are, but I see Michael being super strategic and Kyle's not bad himself. I, I, I'm taking into account some future events, so take that as you may. But, uh, yeah, I think Kyle and Michael are my favorite there, Charles. It's not because they look like brothers. They do look alike, don't Kyle they? Kyle and Michael. Now that I'm looking at them. I'll say cousins. <laughs> I'm not going to go with brother, but I'll, I'll agree with cousins for Close sure. Close enough. What about you, Charles? <laughs> 
I, being that I still don't like Michael, I will admit that you know in that list that is a very very strong pair um, if they can remain loyal to each other. Um, but right now there are two that kind of stand out to me from that list. I do like Nicole and Daniel. Um, regardless of if I think that Daniel looks like an 80s porn star or not. <laughs> um, and then obviously with our pre-recording conversation, <laughs> that kind of feeds into that stereotype <laughs> for me a little bit. But um, Dude hangs down. <laughs> <laughs> well, <But> Nicole, <laughs> yeah, go ahead, Dan. I was just going to say, without, without bringing in the details of that conversation, I will at least say to the audience that the, part of this, this – that part of what we're discussing is that there was a night last week where they were given just a little bit of alcohol. I think they all had one glass of wine, but it got to some people's heads. One of those people being Taylor, who was having a girl's night session where Alyssa was talking about her big old fat crush on Kyle. And Taylor decided to uh, freely and explicitly describe her feelings towards Daniel. And let's just say they are detailed and may make you uncomfortable if uh, you're not into the, if you're not as open with some of these things as, as uh, some people may be, but I we'll think I, I tried to dance around that a little the, bit. Uh, the but, show comments. What'd you say? I said, we'll link that in the YouTube comments, right? Yeah. Let's How did it, <laughs> well, this is a complete sidetrack, um, but Daniel, do you even know how, Daniel brought it up in conversation that that was the case. The the package that he brought. <laughs> oh, he brought them. Yes. Uh, I, oh, okay. okay. All right. We're, okay. It's fine. It's fine. No, I just I just didn't know how it came up because I didn't know if he, you know, just walking around the house. Obviously, you know, I'm sure. You know, they're swimming and bathing and all that sort of stuff together. Or if he just, you know, was humbly bragging and saying, oh, I, yeah, look at me. I didn't, hear, I didn't hear his end of the conversation. Uh, this was this came from Taylor describing okay, what okay, she heard from okay. him. Uh, Mom, if you're listening to this, mute it now. What we're talking about is he brought custom-made uh, condoms with him to the house because Magnum condoms weren't big enough there. Now we put it out into the world. <laughs> well, and is this the most like, like this is these are the last two people that I would think would get together if I were to like, I'm, and maybe not oh, the God. last, but like oh, it's not top five. It's a it's and a one way highway because it's a one way like yeah, yeah. attraction, right? Because Daniel has nothing to do with her. He doesn't. Daniel despises her and blames her for Paloma leaving, and she has a big old fat crush on him and wants to see these custom. Magnum condoms. So anyway. yeah, I don't think I, I don't see it working out. Um, but yeah, uh, it's the Big Brother house. Expect the unexpected. You we'll are cover right this in that. the bitter jury after dark. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's what we need. Care. That's what we need. Uh, I feel like this is the only episode we've ever filmed during the day, and it's the one time we have after dark content. <laughs> oh gosh, I, yeah, no. And again, we're on a complete sidebar now, which is what I guess makes this amazing. But um, yeah, I. I have no issues with those conversations, but those conversations just in general, actually a friend and I were at Kings Island um, on Friday and after a few drinks, we were having some really off color combos, but like 
this is a friend that I've known for years and we are super close. I'm, I, I, I don't know, random conversation with people in a house and, you know, taking custom size condoms. (laughs) I don't, I don't know. I can't get there even though I have no issue. Anyway, um, back to the question. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Nicole and Daniel, I do like them. You know, I feel as if they've also already this early into the show and the season have shown that they are going to be loyal to each other, which is extremely important to, um, you know, a two person. Um, I do like Jasmine and Amira together, though. Um, Jasmine, I know not everyone and maybe not even myself is completely sold on her being a physical threat. However, I am remembering she is a farmer and can probably lift and do more physical things than half the guys in that house. So I don't count her out on that just yet, where I feel that Amira has definitely done really well at putting herself in the thick of things and making sure that she's a piece of every conversation. Um, You know, even with her getting thrown under the bus with Pooch and Brittany and and that whole little triangle there, um, you know, she's also proven that she can talk her way out of situations. So I, you know, for those purposes, I think that the two of them are also going to be pretty formidable. Well, and not to mention Amira was a legendary jouster in the Knight's Tale count. That is true. Very good. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, well, kind of <clears throat> on that on that topic now. Let's just go ahead and get into it. Let's talk about who, which player we think is in the best position at the end of week two. Normally, I we would do a whole segment on was the right player targeted. Uh, I think it's obvious. Like Pooch nominated himself. He's an athletic dude who you know was everyone kind of liked in the house. Good targeted or good target to get out. I don't think there's too much discussion to have there. But let me throw this question to you, Dalton. At the end of week two, with the remaining 14 players in the house, who do you think is positioned best going into week three and the rest of the game? I have to say, Michael, I know we've kind of touched on this, um, and this may be just kind of a you know classic answer that everybody is ex- expects, but I just did not expect Michael – um, not only from a comp standpoint to perform at this level, but um, after the first week, there were a couple different clips in the episodes where Michael was trying to insert himself and, and talking game with players. And like, it was so obvious that he kind of had that social awkwardness that he was left out. Um, but I think, you know, we've seen after he, you know, won both vetoes, um, you know, he tried to throw the, I don't know if we talked about this, but he tried to throw that to Taylor there at the end so that he, he didn't have a target on his back. Um, but you know, he wins the two vetoes. He's in a couple alliances. He's, he's, you know, a couple final twos as well. Um, I really like where he's at from a polling standpoint heading in, uh, you know, to the rest of the season. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I, I'm, I listed three here just so I'd have one if you two named two that I liked. Michael's number two on my list. Uh, Charles, who is on your list? Dang, I was I was hoping you would go ahead and um, list yours. Um, my heart wants to go with Nicole, again, just because she's on my drafted team. But I do feel as if Amira is in a bit better position right now. Um, again... Truthfully, my first impression of her, you know, from a game standpoint and her intro in the first, you know, 
couple of minutes that we got to see her on camera. Uh, I, I didn't think highly of her in the sense of gameplay, even though I didn't necessarily count her out. Now I'm kind of taking a look at her, and again, she, she's been inserted in many of the conversations that I've seen. You know, again, I don't watch the live feeds to the extent that you do, Daniel, but I'll poke in here and there. Um, you know, I feel as if she has a really good pulse on things, but people aren't talking about her in any negative fashion, um, again, that I've seen, and, and, and I could be wrong on that. But, um, and I feel as if, you know, again, with the jousting thing, it wasn't, uber physical but she's proven that she can hang in there in some comps and she has you know even though the girls girls has has now been outed um you know she's kind of been a piece of some pretty strong potential alliances that you know she's kind of one of those few people she's one of the few people that hasn't been in a conversation of you know some of the alliances that have gotten formed so it's it's almost like people are always thinking about her and that other people in the house also look at her as someone that they want on her side and i think if she can stick that out and then start to pull off a couple compliments that she's going to go pretty far yeah, no, I totally agree. My list was number one, Amira, number two, Michael, number three, Nicole. So a little synergy there between us finally. Wow, uh, that's rare. Uh, I totally agree. <clears throat> Amira, she's kind of shown that she can. she's in it in competition. She has the ability to win them if she needs to. Uh, she's a part of multiple alliances. Uh, she's a part of the most powerful alliance, at least at the end of week two. Um, she's also just very aware of what everyone's doing. She's got eyes on Joseph and on Brittany and Turner. And she just, she, she takes the time to check in with the players that may not be directly impacting her game. And it, although I'd like to see her make inroads with some of those players and maybe make them more useful to her, at least she's keeping tabs on them. And so I think that's a smart play by her. I uh, totally agree with everything you said on Michael um, Dalton. You know, he came in looking super weak, not having a strong social game. Uh, then when he proved himself physically, uh, people opened up to him more, saw him more of an asset, and he's really made a name for himself there. I also think he's got a good head on his shoulders. He doesn't just jump right into an alliance when it's offered to him. He was very suspicious of being the last person invited to the Mamba slash Post Pack Alliance. Um, and I think he really was, he, Brittany to a little extent, but really he was the only player in the house in the first two weeks, not to really jump on the Taylor hate train and kind of see through that Paloma mist that was put over Taylor and, you know, the softy in me liked to see him at least reach out to her and show that someone in the house, you know, isn't, isn't everyone against her. So I like that as well. And then Nicole, uh, you know, she's got that strong duo with Daniel. That can be, that's a rock, something to build off of. Uh, she got brought into the most powerful, powerful Alliance and kind of is running it by the end of week two. Um, so she ratted it out. So maybe it has less power. Um, but it just goes to show, you know, she's wasn't in many alliances that first week, but going into week two now, she's really built up that alliance resume and she's making moves with with uh, intentions of what those moves will do for her down the road. So, uh, yeah, I agree. Strong top three. That's really all I've got here in my outline. Any other points you all want to touch on before we uh, wrap up our first two weeks here? 
Yeah, so I have a, a, oh, oh, go ahead, Charles. No, I was going to say, I have a quick question, and I, I'm glad you said that, um, made that point again while you were talking about Nicole, because I was going to ask this. You know, you had mentioned before, Daniel, and I'm posing this question to both of you, but um, how you feel that Nicole has ratted out that six-person alliance. Do you consider it ratting out, though, since it was to her ride-or-die final two-person? Go ahead. I, Dalton, do you want to go first? I mean, I'd, I'd still say in the context of the game, if you were to go back to her alliance, she's still the weak, right? Um, and I, But I think it goes back to, Charles, your point time and time again. Uh, if you can find someone this early in the game that you know is going to be loyal to you and you're going to give that back, um, maybe not. I mean, I, I think these two have kind of proven that they're going to – um, they're in this for the long haul. This isn't just a final two for the sake of a final two. Um, so I don't think so. As long as Daniel keeps it to himself, unless it's for the betterment of, of their final two. Yeah, so. I, I agree with that sentiment. Um, I think there's a good, exa- I, I, I agree. Actually, I think I totally agree with you, Charles. It probably isn't right to describe it as ratting it out because ratting it out implies that, it's a leak that will help take down the Alliance because it's become public. Uh, Daniel does not go and spread this around. He does keep it to himself where and a good example of what ratting out is this part of this will come out in tonight's episode uh, at the second half. It's part of week three, but there is a new Alliance forum called the old school. Um, It's the old people, Terrence, Nicole, Daniel, uh, I think uh, Jasmine's uh, in it, Amira and Alyssa. Oh yeah. yeah. And, uh, so, and Alyssa was the last one brought into that and she wasn't really an older player. They just kind of adopted her and she, because of her crush on Kyle, uh, rats it out completely to Kyle tells, tells him about the forming of it. That's ratting it out because Kyle then goes, takes that information and later on in the week uses, uses it very cleverly to form something that will eventually hurt all the players in that old school Alliance. I I won't spoil anything for you guys there, but everything that I was watching last night all had to do with her rat because she ratted that that's ratting out. Whereas I keep calling what Nicole did ratting out, not because of the same implication there, but Nicole in telling Daniel what she's doing is she's explaining to him that she doesn't like the current formation of, uh, that pose pack Alliance. And she wants to change it. She wants to get Daniel in there and get Monty and Kyle and Michael out of there, which really is how old school was formed. It's just pose packs Alliance, but you swap out all the guys and put Daniel in Daniel and Terrence. And so I, I guess I call it ratting out because even though it didn't leak to the house, the intent was still to take down the alliance. So, well, and not to put the cart before the horse here, West off, but you were implying that Kyle did something to take down old school. Was it creating founding fathers? I've never heard of founding fathers. Really? Oh, actually. So it's it's, it's found it's founding. Turner, Pooch, Kyle, Joseph, Monty, and, Kyle. and then Joseph, I think. Yeah, Kyle. It's Turner. Turner and oh, Pooch is not. Pooch is out. Yeah. 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 Okay. Sorry. Founding Fathers. I guess I didn't know the name of it. That's part of it. Yes. That becomes a bigger deal 
like it expands, but that's the core of what's going to become a resistance to old school. So a little preview for all of you there, uh, there, I believe week three will be a pivotal week. And if the live feeds are as exciting as the show might, will make it then Wednesday's episode is going to be really good. So I'm excited to see how they edit because it, a lot just happened in like less than 18 hours. And so it probably two episodes worth of stuff. So we'll see who's whoever's job it is to edit that down. They've got a job ahead of them. Uh, any final points before we wrap up these two weeks, last chance to get in your thoughts. Dalton. Well, my first one is I can't wait for tonight's two hour episode after uh, <laughs> that little preview there. But the second is, and looking at my team, I don't know why I'm even bringing this up because I'm not confident at all that any of them are going to go to the end. Uh, <laughs> but we didn't talk about this on the first episode. We need to do some kind of whatever for who wins the whole thing. What's that? Punishments and rewards for our fantasy. Yeah, punishments games. and rewards. Like, obviously, the winner, maybe we, like, you know, the other three pay for a dinner in Lexington or Louisville, whatever. But we need a, some some kind of punishment and reward set up uh, before we get too far along here. Oh, right. gosh. Agreed. Before, by next week's episode, we have to make an announcement of what that'll be. So, yeah. Put that sure. on your put that on your to-do lists. Yep. Um. Yeah, I don't really have anything else here. My last few notes, Brittany is messy. No one in the house is sneaky. Daniel got screwed. Yeah. Is Brittany like Brittany so from last messy. season? Who's Brittany from last season? There, you know there, Brittany from last season. There wasn't a Brittany last season, was there? Yeah. What'd she look like? Oh, yeah. The, was that her name, Brittany, the dancer? Yeah, the cringy raps and everything. Yeah, see, I we uh, I, I, I couldn't forget st- that. Exactly, I you pushed her out of my just brain. Like completely took that out of your memory. Yeah. She was but, annoying as I, fuck. I shuddered now thinking about her rap yeah. and during her eviction speech. Annoying so. as fuck. Um, yeah, and to friend. answer that question, you know, Brittany's on my draft team. Um, I still have hope for her, but I do agree. Messy is a good word to use. Um, she kind of reminds me of like a mom who randomly got an application for Big Brother filled out by her child. And <laughs> she's just excited to be there because her child is watching her back home now. And she just wants to do everything she can. Um, and I just thought of that as I was saying it, but I mean, that's how I look at her. Like she, I had all this uh, hope and she's going to be great. And she's a hypnotist and knows how to talk to people. And it's just, Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. And I'm going to tell everybody everything. And we're just going to get all this joy and happiness. And I test toys. I mean, what the fuck, Brittany? Come on. <laughs> yeah, that, that was an epic fail. She, See, she I thought go ahead, both go Kyle on. and Brittany came into the house with that level of enthusiasm. And I feel like, Westoff, correct me if I'm wrong, because you're the live feeder. But I feel like Kyle has kind of toned it back finally. He's like, you know, I need to actually be a little more strategic. Brittany has continued to elevate that level of you know whatever so not going to be good for her long term kyle hasn't really toned it down he's just directed it at Alyssa. but um (laughs) no Brittany, i'll just i told this to gruskin uh when we were driving back from iowa there was a moment when it was so Brittany rats out amira to pooch we saw that in the episode right 
And so Pooch immediately goes to Amira, tells her what happened. So now Amira knows that Brittany ratted her out. And so there's this moment on the live feeds. I, I was watching it happen. She and Jasmine are in the back room and they're like, we got to go call out Brittany or not call her out. Let's go test her. Let's bring it up slyly and see if she admits to doing it. And so they go out there and they have this conversation with her and they start like dropping hints like, Oh, like I've been hearing things that people have saying are saying I want to target Pooch. Where could that have? Come they from? showed part of that. Remember? Yeah, on yeah, the, the yeah they did yeah. show it. I so yeah. that that yeah, you know exactly the conversation I'm I'm talking about. And when I tell you it was the most cringing thing I've ever seen, Brittany's reaction where she's trying to figure out whether she should cop to it or if she should keep lying she's a terrible liar and it made yeah. me it made me so uncomfortable to watch her that i had to change the feed i was like i can't do this anymore it's hurting me and so i changed the feed to the other because they only show two feeds at once and when i go to the other feed everyone's sitting at the kitchen table doing beats with their hands while terrence is about to drop a rap and i i had to turn the live feeds off i was like i can't like both feeds are cringe right now i can't watch either one of them so did you see yeah, the rap because i'm curious how he how he was no i couldn't do it it was either terrence was about to rap or turner was about to and either way oh, i was God. like i don't want to oh, watch man. this so <laughs> not a lot of good options see i keep waiting for terrence to have like his breakout moment but i feel like he's like not really playing the game yet yeah, he's uh, what he's done is he's found a safe space in the girls' alliance, like girls plus Daniel and Terrence, where he doesn't have power, but he's safe. And so he's like, all right, I'm going to chill here for a while and just wait till things get a little more rocky. So I, I respect what he's doing. It's just he's not helping his game down the line. He's just staying safe. Yeah. For now. Which, honestly, that's what I thought that he was going to do whenever I picked him. I thought he was going to float and play the Cliff Hogg game. Just kind of, you know, be likable, be the old guy, and maybe get hitched onto an alliance that they'll take him because he's not a huge threat, and that'll be that. So, Yeah. Well, I'm excited for week three to happen because there's so many things I want to blurt out right now about strategies <laughs> and alliances that have taken place. So let's wrap this pod and we will get to all of that next Sunday. So uh, for now, uh, we're going to sign off here. Uh, we've got a two-hour-long episode tonight, and then uh, we'll see how the rest of Week 3 plays out, and we'll be back here again on Sunday. But in the meantime, uh, let's wrap this now. I want to thank my co-hosts, Charles Matthews, Dalton Thieneman, for joining me here today. Uh, we will be back with you again next week, and until then... I don't have a sign-off line, so thanks for watching, and we'll see you all next time. 